Timeless Voyager Radio. Self-development radio for the open mind. Interviews with leading edge authors and speakers. And now, Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager Radio. Lessons in Soul Awareness from the book Recovery of the Sacred. It's published by Health Communications Incorporated. Welcome to the show, Dr. Carlos Warder. Hi. Good evening. Uh, you know, the first thing that hit me when I was uh, reading your book was it was very reminiscent uh, of uh, Carlos Castaneda. Not to take, not Carlos to, because of the content. <laughs> not, not to take anything away from your book. Yeah. But just uh, specifically, Don Hector reminded oh. me of of, uh, of Don Juan in Carlos's yeah. books. You know, there is a, there's a trend of behavior in these people that have dedicated their lives in another culture to healing and to. Mm-hmm working in the in the midst of different dimensions they're all very very similar and when you meet them they're all so unique was uh, would you say that that the uh, the information that's in your book is is shaman in nature or I'd say that it is um, essential in nature well, that's a good way yeah. because <laughs> through the shamans and through the sufis and through medicine i pointed to the same thing right which is the discovery of the sacred identity all right, so how does all of this exploration of spirituality fit into your career as a psychiatrist? Really complements it tremendously. Because instead of just seeing the body-mind connection, I have been able not only to experience, but also to work with the people I work with from a soul identity. So right from the start, it is the awareness of essence which guides me and guides me in my professional work and in my personal work. And it is that which heals. Because when a person realizes that who they are is a transcendent being, instantly it contextualizes, it changes the focus of or uh, relations or even... Now for people that are not used to this kind of information, and, and uh, that's, you know, there are people out there this is all new to, and, uh, and that's good. It's, 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 uh, it's a very exciting change for people when they when they begin to realize that there is a an I am presence which which they did not know that there was a screen that the movie was falling on that they had missed um, how how do you approach that in your practice well I do a lot of public speaking and of groups that are not just therapeutic in nature they're I would say spiritual activations at this point Specifically today, you know, it's a day in which I've done four different lectures and two workshops in churches, in Unity Churches, and in the whole Life Expo up here in Seattle. Hmm. And the public that comes in... Invisible School. What is the Invisible School? Well, throughout all traditions, they have been, there has been an external way of teaching that we call religious teaching, but there, was, there has always been an esoteric part, an inner teaching. This inner teaching is approached through the classical religions and through the spiritual um, uh, messages and wisdom of all ages, not in a formal way, but you know the statement when a student is ready, the teacher appears? Absolutely. There is a guidance, there is a correlation of events and synchronicities in which we are taken through this invisible school and placed in circumstances in which we always have choices to see if we follow a path of a path of heart or a path of uh, greed or worldliness or power 
So you're yeah. basically saying that that everything that we do, everything is a, is is not necessarily a test, but no. it is uh, it's schooling. We're doing it's we're it's doing schooling, major schooling. Option. Yeah, exactly. And I had the good fortune when I was much younger than I am today of uh, being initiated in some of the aspects of this school and being given situations to choose and to follow certain pathways that not only nourished me as a human being but also nourished me as a professional because I was able to realize the common denominator of who we are, of the soul understanding, S-O-U-L, that we are essential beings and that a lot of disease and conflict and um, negative situations in the world are the result of self-forgetting, of forgetting our spiritual identity, of becoming falsely identified with certain viewpoints that in this school are called, let's say, translated into false personalities or sub-personalities which do not represent the transcendence and the love of what a human being is. So when you look at a human being, you don't look at the, you know, who we are, what we look like, no, of course not. Or our name, you are talking about the spiritual essence. And I, I look at you, I look at whoever I encounter, as I look at my deep self. I am in this forever, you are in this forever. So if we are in this forever, we're not just bodies which are subject to change and decay, or entropy, if you will, but we are committed to each other. We human beings are eternally committed to each other to make the highest possible station of our lives here in the physical or in any other dimension. So that evokes love and compassion. That evokes what I like to call a society of souls instead of a society of bodies. And imagine how life and how our planetary uh, businesses and educational system and medical system would legislate and would behave and would produce results if we would really know that we're in this together, that we're committed to a higher life. You uh, call the book Recovery of the Sacred. What exactly do you mean by that phrase? Well, I really have to tell you that what I mean is that the sacred in life that is the essence, I'm not talking about sacred rituals or sacred spots, I'm talking about you as the sacred being, we need to recover that identity. It's recovery of the sacred identity, what I truly mean by this. So what have we done? We have forgotten. We have lost our sacred identity, and we have identified with race, with creed, with color, with uh, business, with jobs, with, uh, with anything. And all of that does not lead us to a feeling of security and peace and permanence. On the contrary, we're always either defending or protecting or striving for something that in its very nature is impermanent. It changes. And there is nothing wrong with all the strive and the drive that our world does because that can be productive in the sense of serving others. But we need to keep the frequency, the resonance of the heart. And the heart has been forgotten in our modern society. And the heart is sacred because the heart is the doorway to these dimensions of being which we're all longing for through our head frequency understanding, for our, through our plans and projects and through the customs and the fashions that always change and keep the world completely immersed in mental and social disorder. You know, if you think from a psychiatric point of view, which is 
by training, the amount of dollars that are spent in tranquilizers and now in antidepressants, Prozac and others, and the lack of following a spiritual understanding, the lack of spiritual education in our society, the complete abandonment of our core values and the following of values which are changing and making everybody dizzy, the skyrocketing, skyrocketing cost of health care, the absence of money for education, the tremendous amount of resources spent in defense because there is a basic fear, we can see that we have really forgotten the sacredness of life and we need to recover it. I'm looking at the book, and it's a, it's a very interesting book in that it's, it's written in, in a kind of a story form, and, uh, and yet there's a lot of information in it. There's about 230-some-odd uh, pages. It's a, a beautiful book. Um, I'm looking at the book, uh, The Healing Journey is Awakening to the Sacred, Then the Doorway to the Invisible School, which we talked about, Interdimensional Awareness and the ancient wisdom of plants. What is interdimensional awareness? We live in a 10-dimensional <clears throat> universe, out of which five dimensions are where human beings operate. Now, in our current way of thinking, which is not modern physics, but it's Newtonian physics, mechanical physics, we many times hold ourselves to be living just in a third-dimensional world. We're third-dimensional people. We occupy this volume, and we long through spiritual experiences to develop the next level, which is the fourth dimension, and we do it through our intuition, to experiences of bliss, to the experiences of... Uh, now let me get this straight, wait a minute. Yeah. It's a ten-dimensional universe, and we're working really hard on the fourth dimension. We're working very hard <laughs> on the third dimension. Oh, okay. We're, 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 trying to get, we're trying to get to the fourth dimension. We're trying to get to the fourth dimension, and we do get to the fourth dimension, which is a, a, a place where we transcend time. Any experience of love that you might have had, you know, the, 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 the classical symptom of love is that you feel that you've known the person forever. Right. And when you stay together, it feels like the time either flies or doesn't even exist because you are outside of the perception of third-dimensional uh, time. We are, we're out of time. So fourth-dimensional experiences are common. But the stabilization or the coherence of consciousness occurs when you feel that you're a unified field. The physicists call unified field. And this is when you say, I am that I am classical biblical sentence. Now, this is fifth-dimensional understanding, Christ consciousness, unity field, unified field, is what we're all aspiring for. Our identity truly resides in the soul, and this one is like a fifth-dimensional, a quintessence, five elements of essence. Okay, now hold on. So the fourth-dimensional experience is what? The transcendental experience? The transcendental experience. And what is the fifth-dimensional experience? The unified, where there is no duality. Unity. You know that you are a oneness. Right, unity, unity consciousness. Because okay, all right. Now, in uh, our society, this is esoteric, this is mystical, it doesn't happen. And yet when people have it, they don't know how to hold it, because we're so accustomed to rational thinking, or reductionistic thinking. And yet, in sacred uh, traditions, let's say in the Incas, or the shamans in the Amazon, or the Aymaris, or the Sufis in uh, Africa, or the Middle East, or the Kabbalists, through different means that are called ecstatogenic, or produ producers of ecstasy, of ecstatic states of awareness, cross these dimensions and understand 
that these other worlds exist not as something alien or separate, but something that is to be integrated in our consciousness. In Jungian words, you would say you would integrate that which is conscious with the subconscious or the collective. So this work is something that can happen when you consciously put your mind to it, put your heart to it. And I had the good fortune of having some teachers that initiated me into to this in other countries during the early 70s, which allowed me to integrate and also to understand when people were having these experiences from a compassionate way. The ancient wisdom of plants also is one of the reasons I said it reminded me of Carlos Castaneda. Well, yeah, there is wisdom in plants. I was speaking with the former ambassador of India, um, Dr. Karen Singh, a few months ago, and we are discussing the sacred scriptures of, uh, of the Vedanta religion. And he said, well, this is all taken with the influence, this is all written under the influence of certain plants which our sages did thousands of years ago in a sacred and, and ritualistic way. And okay. I know what you're being reminded of. Right, okay. Why, why is forgiveness important? Forgiveness is important because our heart needs to continue loving life and loving the encounters we, which we have had, even though our mind tells us that it was inadmissible. Let me give you an example. We are now living in a culture here in the United States in which the, 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 the slogans of victimization, justified or not justified, have happened massively. You can see it in TV shows, in talk shows. Everybody is finding some pathology and some victimization, and I'm not attacking that. I'm saying it could be legally justified or uh, actually things that happen that are, are horrendous. But it is not to our advantage to persist in the identification of the resentment because our heart frequency gets, gets shut off. Our life expectancy goes down. And who wants to age prematurely or die with a heart attack? This is demonstrated physiologically. Resentment causes early deterioration of our heart. It is very interesting that recent research has shown that the electric resonance frequency of the heart, you know, the heart has its own electric circuit. It is not dependent directly on the central nervous system. If you look in an uh, ultrasound of a mother that's pregnant, you will see the heartbeat appearing even before the brain appeared. And what happens is that when we function with the frequency of anger, frustration, and resentment, and usually those are situations that are very justifiable. That I was pointing to that before about uh, the victimization consciousness that's going on. If we don't let go of that, it damages our physical heart, it damages our emotional heart, and the heart, in a spiritual sense, is the doorway to a deeper sense of being. So it is healthy to learn to forgive. And in my book, in the chapter, Maturation and of the Heart and Forgiveness, I lived through and I integrated in my therapeutic practices and in my teaching the absolute importance of learning to let go, forgive and forget, no matter what has happened. And even though there are situations that are hard, you need to do the extra effort. And let me tell you something. I learned that very directly years ago, being in India with uh, the Dalai Lama, in which I had interviewed two of his uh, Lama, two of his monks, which had been in jail in China and had just come to India. 
and were refugees. And I was very indignant. I was actually enraged when I heard the story of the torture that they had gone through. And I went into His Holiness, the Dalai Lama's room, and I told him what I was feeling. And he consoled me and told me to have compassion for the poor Chinese, which were the, who were the torturers, because understand how much suffering they must be going through to react that way. And it was a very powerful lesson in soul awareness. Uh, so this is why we turn the other cheek, obviously. Yeah. What does it mean to retreat to the self? Stop the chatterbox of our mental conditioning and send in our attention, in our awareness, to the area of the heart and deepen our focus right there. And as we do that, we change our own frequency become deeper and deeperly and more deeper connected with the identity of our soul. When we can change from being the person that has a soul to the soul has a person, there is a pathway to deep joy. You know, you talk quite a bit about the healing power of the soul. What do you mean by that? I mean that exactly what I was saying before, when the soul is the centerpiece of our existence, we become more of a witness to our own circumstance in this daily life or in disease situation, and we can see the possibility of learning from those transformative experiences instead of just suffering. The identification from needless suffering allows us and gives us the power back to do something with care about it. When we are identified, we're like, you know, the old saying, we're in the middle of the forest and we can't see the trees that are there because our focus has narrowed. So the healing power of the soul is reconnecting with the elan vital, with the vital identity, with the flow of life force which comes through the heart. You had quite an interesting uh, trip to the Holy Land. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? You want to hear the most recent one? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that, that's 18 years ago. But Holy Land, where I've been three times in my life, has always placed me in situations in which I had the opportunity of encounter uh, holy people saints in the Christian, in the Jewish, in the Islamic tradition. And if I can say one thing about it, and uh, I actually enjoyed very much reading a review that just came out about this book, uh, they say in a land where most people are troubled by separation and fragmentation based on the religious and political identity, in my experience, what happens is that I can see the common root of Judaism, of Christianity, and of Islam. And the common root is not just the religious principle, but it is also a very sincere search for truth of the heart. And I believe that, uh, and this is out of my most recent experience, I believe that when people can come from the different religions to sit heart to heart and face to face and dialogue about what's their core values, we can have peace in that area. 
and it looks like the Middle East is definitely a representation, a microcosmic representation of all the ethnic conflicts around the planet. Civilization as we know it today had its birth there, and many times our civilization has been at, at risk of extinction because of what happens in that specific zone, that specific geography. Now, people refer to you as a healer. What uh, do you think, uh, where do you think the medical establishment falls short in healing? Do, do they even heal? Healing is making whole. My medical training taught me that once a diagnosis was made, the person was not whole anymore, and from there on the focus was a pathological focus, a trying to correct via uh, surgery, via pharmacology, the imbalance. But there is a little lack, I would say, a little lack of understanding of the whole person, of the body-mind-spirit connection. And therefore, the focus of just looking at the circumstance, at the body, at the disease, at the disorder, at the, at the organ, or even at the mental-emotional um, disequilibrium of balance, makes it fall short from restoring the individual to its own responsibility. We have learned to go to the physician and go to the doctor and take our organs for them to do something about it instead of doing a co-creative function and seeing that technology and modern medicine and traditional medicine has a lot to offer, but we have to do something and restoring the way we think about the situation, the, the way we visualize the, the, the disease, and how much compassion and love do we have for ourselves as patients in order to restore the flow of vitality. The last three things, the restoration of the flow, the compassion, and the taking responsibility is not very much emphasized in modern medicine. And there is an extreme amount of emphasis in taking a pill for anything or cutting the, the so, so to speak, the enemy out of the system. It's a war orientation instead of a harmonious orientation. You know, uh, I look at your book and it, it brings a question to my mind. What, what do you think the greatest experience is, or at least at least, what is the greatest experience that you have had as a healer? Well, definitely an experience of love, experiencing of uh, opening your heart, opening my heart, and changing my whole state of being from uh, blindness about the greatness of love to a stabilization, a coherence, uh, I don't know how, even how to say it, a certainty that love is not only the healer, but it's also the, the root feeling and the root sensation. And I had the good fortune of having this very young in my life. And uh, if you read the book at the beginning in the first couple of chapters, it's described how just a loving encounter, and I don't mean a loving, mellow encounter, but it was a passionate presence of love affair in my life completely changed my chemistry and it changed it radically because I didn't just say well I have this relationship with this other person and I love her I discovered inside myself the tremendous capacity to love and that's been ever growing 
And I don't know if you know the, the Chilean uh, Nobel Prize in Literature, Pablo Neruda. You ever heard of him? He got a manuscript of my journal when I was only 22 years old. And he said, your discovery of love is the mystery that will take you through your whole lifetime. And there is no other reason that it can take you further. And the book became a bestseller. And I was still not graduated from medical school and I was uh, doing poetry. So it definitely was the peak experience stabilized my, my functioning at a different level. You know, uh, each individually, traditionally, uh, in, in many cultures, was responsible for their own soul. Um, it's not being practiced that way anymore, is it? Well, in our culture, there's even doubts by many people if they have a soul, much less if they're being a soul, and there are no uh, rites of passage for our kids or our teenagers and our adult uh, people to, to, to change from one state of consciousness to another. We expect that people grow automatically and then become productive people, and then uh, they stop being productive, they retire, and they have heart attacks. I mean, we have not recovered the sacredness. We have forgotten the sacredness in our society. And those rites of passage were the awakening of vision quests and uh, purposes and vocation for people to function integrated in the society. And the soul of the society, the soul of the nation, needs to be healed. And it cannot be healed by decree. It has to be healed by an inner journey, by a discovery of your own inner work. When a person is trying to uh, reclaim their spiritual identity, what what can they expect to experience along that uh, way? Well, two sets of, of, of effects. One is a de-identification from many things that we hold to be so important, but those happen anyway. You know, people get frustrated with their job and their relationships fall apart and they fall into a void. So the other part is crossing that void and starting to experience an abundance and a fullness and a uh, flourishing of a creativity that does not come from book learning or from school learning or from others, but is intrinsic to each individual. And if we dare to discover and to really act upon this and become a living expression of what our innermost feeling of purpose of life is, uh, great happiness can take place. Great, great happiness. The book is called Recovery of the Sacred Lessons in Soul Awareness. You're listening to the author, Carlos Warder. He is a psychiatrist and a, a medical doctor. And Dr. Warder, if you have a few moments, what would you like to say to the listeners? Well, basically, that my whole purpose in writing this book is to take the awareness of what some of the reviewers have said, that the Celestine prophecy is the fiction and that this book is the real life is to express really that we all have our own journey and that this book can serve you as a reminder of revaluing yourself. We tend to depreciate and to stop the value of our essence and then wait for the world to validate us. And it is time for us as a society, as a planet, as a human collective to recover the values of sacredness in our life because I feel that we are quickening. The energy is very fast accelerating and we are in a threshold. And this threshold is either choosing our true soul identity and move into a future in which we can truly transform the negativity of this planet into really bringing heaven on earth, 
or the other side of the choice, which is... Which maybe, we don't want to talk about. <laughs> maybe. Exactly. Not talk about. And to summarize it, you don't want to be the identity of your password That's on right. the computer system only. Thank you very much for being on the show. And I hope we can do the show again. Very, very much. Thank you. Here's a couple uh, testimonials. Uh, you know who Dr. Raymond Moody is, author of Life After Life? Well, he says, now that us baby boomers are all opening up to our midlife uh, spirituality, it's great to have travel logs like this one by Dr. Carlos Warder. Uh, Edgar Mitchell, astronaut and founder of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, he says, recovery of the sacred is a poignant and charming account of one man's journey along the road of self-discovery and fulfillment. Okay, that's it. Hey, have a great week. Tell your friends what a great time you had tonight. And uh, 